Hi, public health people. Welcome to the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Domicella Grace Calhoun, MPH, here to give you the July 2nd, 2021 recap of the CDC Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. For all of the listeners out there, I want you all to know that this will actually be the last Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Recap podcast for me for the foreseeable future. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the public health knowledge. In Article 1, we're talking about a 2019 needs assessment for mental and physical health effects amongst people in Monroe County, Florida after Hurricane Irma. So Hurricane Irma happened in September of 2017, and it was devastating. It caused substantial damage to 65% of homes and resulted in 40 injuries and 17 deaths from hurricane-related causes. The next year, in 2018, Monroe County's suicide rate increased from 25 suicides per 100,000 people to 35 suicides per 100,000 people. Then, in 2019, 20 months after Hurricane Irma hit, the Florida Department of Health launched an initiative that they called CASPER, and the point of CASPER was to assess the Monroe County community's mental, physical, and economic health and to develop public health interventions to decrease the suicide rate. The CASPER initiative found that during the 20 months since Hurricane Irma, 17% of households reported the need for a mental health care provider, and 38% of those households did not receive the mental health services they needed. Out of the 231 households surveyed, 18% reported worsening respiratory conditions, 17% reported worsening anxiety, and 11% reported worsening depression. The implication here is that emergency preparedness plans should consider strengthening mental health service delivery after a hurricane, particularly during the long-term recovery phase. In Article 2, we are talking about everyone's favorite topic, male circumcision in the Chakwe district of Mozambique. So male circumcision is actually a really important strategy in HIV prevention. It confers lifelong partial protection of about 60% against heterosexually acquired HIV. And Mozambique is a country of interest, as it is in sub-Saharan Africa, which has the highest HIV prevalence of any region in the world. When Mozambique's Voluntary Medical Male Circumcision Program began in 2009, the prevalence of male circumcision was 51%. But the Mozambique Ministry of Health aimed for an 80% male circumcision prevalence by 2019 for men ages 15 through 59. So was this goal accomplished? No, but Mozambique is very close. For men ages 15 through 59, there was a 74% circumcision prevalence in 2019. That's only 6% away from the goal. But among males ages 15 through 24, the prevalence of circumcision was 90% by 2019. The researchers found that barriers to male circumcision included fear of complications, not perceiving male circumcision as part of their culture, and a lack of time. The public health implication here is that to achieve 80% male circumcision prevalence, Mozambique public health professionals should be targeting men ages 25 through 59 years old. They should be employing a multifaceted outreach strategy that addresses safety concerns and cultural norms, and should expand circumcision services, like extending the hours to help expand access to these services amongst people with 
said time constraints. One last interesting note, this study found that females almost universally supported circumcision, so they are a group that could be encouraged to promote circumcision in their male sex partners. Article 3. Symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, and suicidal ideation amongst public health workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. So we've seen increases in mental health conditions among the general population and in healthcare workers since the beginning of the pandemic, but we don't know the extent of mental health conditions in public health workers. So Thomas and colleagues conducted a survey of 26,000 public health workers, and 53% of them reported symptoms of at least one mental health condition in the previous two weeks. Depression, anxiety, and PTSD all hovered around 30%, whereas suicidal ideation was about 8%. The highest prevalence of mental health condition symptoms was among respondents 29 years and older and in transgender or non-binary people of all ages. Public health workers who reported being unable to take time off from work were more likely to report adverse mental health symptoms, and the severity of symptoms increased with increasing weekly work hours and increased with a higher percentage of work time dedicated to COVID-19 response activities. The public health implication is that employers can use this data to recognize the importance of addressing mental health amongst public health workers. They can create systems to try and reduce burnout, allow for more flexibility with taking time off, they can promote employee awareness of any mental health benefits they have, and they can prioritize people over 29, non-binary, and transgender public health workers. The final article in this week's podcast looked at differences in learning modes for K-12 students during COVID. Researchers looked at 1,200 public school districts and found that from January through April of 2021, access to full-time in-person learning increased for all K-12 students. However, disparities persisted by race and ethnicity, geography, and school level. White students, students living in the South, and K-5 graders had the most access to full-time in-person learning. And the public health implication here is that Less access to in-person learning is associated with poorer learning outcomes and worse mental health and behavioral effects in children. Public health professionals and education professionals should be working together to ensure that schools can reopen equitably and safely. Part of this strategy means encouraging more vaccinations and ensuring schools are prioritizing safe COVID prevention practices in the reopening of in-person learning. And that is it for the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Recap Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. To stay updated with the CDC's MMWR, I suggest just going to their website and skimming the articles for yourself. If you found this podcast helpful or you're inspired to make one yourself, please do. (laughs) Until then, this is Domicello Grace Calhoun, MPH, signing off.